Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu flings it back! I'm, I'm not a problem with soccer to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! Oh, what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Semi-finals of the UEFA Champions League are complete. What a game today between Manchester City and some other team called Real Madrid. I don't want to start with any disrespect, but I'm going to start with some disrespect. Welcome <laughs> along, everybody, and a welcome into House of Champions today. We got Michael Hood and James Bench with us. Boys, I'm going to check in with you first and foremost. James, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, I have spent today filling up a skip with stuff from my, and I literally mean pretty much all of today. The skip arrived at 9 a.m. The game kicked off at 8 p.m. Uh, bar a little bit of reporting in between, I've been filling up a skip, which basically means the relentless mo- moving of um, slurry, rubbish, effluence uh, from one end to the other, which rather sums up Real Madrid's performance. Uh, no, that's mean. I didn't think Madrid were that bad. Mm. Uh, Mike, Mike, I think uh, you think you're feeling otherwise. Yeah, when you were saying rubbish and skip and all that, I thought you were talking about my prediction because that's how I felt. I felt like a complete mug, and you and I were giving each other stick ahead of it. I can't believe what I just saw as I tweeted at the final whistle. Pep Guardiola and Manchester City are good, folks. They are scary good, and they showed that again today. Well, before we do get into the most important game in the Champions League this round, uh, let's discuss the comments that are flying in right now. <laughs> Where's Nigel? Ali A <laughs> jumping in and saying, Nigel in the mud. Got his prediction so wrong. Jack C, Madrid getting embarrassed. NRC, where was that arrogance from Real Madrid? Ali jumping back and he's not had enough. He says, Where's Nigel? The Madrid lover, where is he? Oscar jumping in and saying after 300 billion pounds, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. That's Nigel trying to find a prediction to get right in this competition. We had uh, uh, Cisfo Diodlo, hope I pronounced your name correctly. Where's Nigel hiding, by the way? We have no idea where Nigel is. He simply didn't want to turn up today because guess what? Manchester City humiliated Real Madrid today by a scoreline of four goals to nil. Bernardo Silva getting a couple of goals in the first half. It could have been five, probably should have been six at half time. Into the second half, we get a Militao own goal. Why was he in the starting lineup? The boys will discuss that in a moment. Was it the right choice right there from Ancelotti? And then Julian Alvarez, who came on for uh, the main man, Erling Haaland, in the later stages of the game, got an absolute banger of a goal. Lovely passing behind by Phil Foden. Julian Alvarez makes it 4-0. And what a performance it was. Mike, Mm. I'm coming to you first on this, baby. 
Uh, what a night for Manchester City. Unstoppable. <laughs> and I owe an apology. And I feel like every time I make a prediction, I owe an apology to someone. So I'm going to start with you, Bernardo Silva. I was begging for Pep Guardiola to take you off in the first leg. I was saying that Riyad Mahrez should have replaced you. You gave me the big middle finger and told me, shut the you-know-what up. Because he delivered today. And when you have the likes of a Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Holland who command so much attention, it was down to the wing play. Your wide players need to do more if you're Manchester City than stay out wide. That matchup between Real Madrid's double C's, Camavinga and Carvajal, they dominated. They were physical with the two wingers from Man City, Camavinga in particular with Bernardo Silva. This time, Silva used his brain, not just his movement, but his brain to exploit that. The interchanging between he and Kevin De Bruyne, he wasn't just sitting on that right-hand side. The first goal, it was just that complex movement, overloading and flooding that midfield. City play a box of four. In the middle of the park, when Bernardo Silva comes in to make it five, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, and Fede Valverde chose to have his worst game in the Madrid jersey today. They didn't know what to do with the likes of Bernardo Silva, and he cashed in not once, but twice. Congrats to you, because you were excellent. I can't, I can't believe, I can't believe that you, I mean, one, I can't believe this. Early, this Photoshop of Bernardo Silva with Erling Haaland's hair is horrifying and will haunt my nightmares almost as much, Mike, as, as you questioning Bernardo Silva should, should haunt yours. This guy has been one of the best players in the world for half a decade. Look, the, the, the reality is, well, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Carlo Ancelotti and Real Madrid and all that. And I kind of find myself thinking the exact same things I've thought after every City game for about two months. I don't really think there's anything we can take away from the opposition in this game whatsoever. Real Madrid just walked into the house of the best team, not just in the world, the best team I've seen since Pep Guardiola's Barcelona at their peak. And frankly, I think they'd give them a damn good game as well. I don't know which way that would go. That was the best performance this Manchester Manchester City have probably ever delivered. Certainly the best I've ever seen from them in my lifetime. I don't think Madrid could have done anything to stop this. The best they could have done is clung. I mean, <laughs> frankly, Thibaut Courtois put any other goalkeeper in instead in place of Thibaut Courtois. And this would have been a hammering. And like, you watch it and you think, well, what, what should have Madrid have done differently? Like, you know, Ed Militao is a good defender. And he was fine. He just, he's got to deal with Erling Haaland. Same with David Alaba. You know, Danny Carvajal played like Danny Carvajal would play against Jack Grealish. And I think the challenge is for a lot of the Madrid's best players, they just ran into the best version of City's players. Carl Walker didn't need no help this time around. He just shut Vinicius Jr. out of the game. It was like that right across the pitch. I don't think this means anything for Madrid because they've just met the best team in the world and the best team they've played since Barcelona used to tonk them all the time. ER boy jumping in and saying, ouch, that was an absolute smashing. Tim Tiny jumping in and saying, Pep Guardiola is the greatest manager ever. Here's a stat coming in here. Pep Guardiola has become the third manager to win 100 Champions League matches after Carlo Ancelotti and Sir Alex Ferguson. ER boy back in and saying, Grealish just threw an F-bomb on CBS. We all heard it. We all heard it. Never mind. He ran away pretty quickly after that one right there. Time to Samba says, Krishna Vintam, appreciate your comments. Everybody coming in saying, weirdly, Courtois was my man of the match, saying, 
Rafa Cardenas. Um, listen, it was an absolute top class performance. I'm, I'm extremely excited because I, I think any time, and, and we all kind of feel this when you're giving predictions, it's very difficult to bet against Real Madrid. It's very difficult to bet against. Is the institution. it? I've been doing it. For, I've been doing it for <laughs> eighteen months, mate. It's quite easy. You just don't win a lot of money. You don't win a lot of money. It's because it can make you look foolish, right, James? And especially when you are like us, we're putting our voices out there and, and people are listening to our comments and, you know, obviously they're jumping on the back of our comments and you're pretty much open for criticism when you do bet against or you do talk against Real Madrid. Um, but very openly, I am happy to say that I predicted they'd get smashed. And I'm happy to see that Manchester City, and I'm happy to say this, James, jumping on the back of what you just said, that was the best performance I have seen from any European team for such a long time. I can't even remember such a dominant first half in a semi-final of a Champions League. And that might even be the same case when it comes to the final. City were just absolutely terrific. And uh, of course, when you're marking Erling Haaland out of the game, or at least trying to do so, there's another one who steps up and gets the goal or creates the opportunity. City were absolutely rampant. But it brings me to my point here, Mike. Um, what about Real Madrid? Obviously, did they get the decision wrong to bring Militao back in? Rudiger was excellent against Erling Haaland. But let's not forget, in the opening 16 minutes of the game, Haaland did have two shots at the Bernabeu on target. Had they gone, and it probably would have been a different game. So they necessarily mark him out the game but they were a lot more aggressive and they were a lot more confident in that first game with Rudiger there well this is not the same Eder Militao that we saw leading up to the last month or so he's been very shaky look at the Copa del Rey final I would have yanked him off I'm surprised he stayed as long as he did on the field during that match Militao has been classed for the last year one of the big reasons why Madrid were triumphant last year in the Champions League and really proved himself. But I think Carlo Ancelotti got that wrong. Consistency. Bring the same partnership with the center backs. I saw a difference when Rudiger came in. And Madrid just, maybe it was being a few goals down, but there was more believability and more of an, an arrogance in that back line and assurance when I saw Rudiger come in. He wants to play against the likes of Erling Holland. For Madrid, yeah. they didn't lose the game because of that selection. It was in midfield. Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, and I can't even think of his other, Fede Valverde, they mm -hmm. were not up to snuff. They were the antithesis of how aggressive they were. They were so off the boil, staying off the plate, they got overrun in midfield, and I think the lack of mobility is what Carlo Ancelotti got wrong. It was so hard to take any of them out because they have been your leaders in midfield throughout the season. But Does I, that I come from like Ancelotti though, Mike? Does it come from Ancelotti? That does it does it not come as an instruction? This is how we're gonna play. We're gonna allow Manchester City to have that much of the ball. I mean, surely at some point when you're out there on the pitch and you're sitting back and you're defending, you're defending like they were doing, they were up against the rules. Eventually, Manchester City are gonna get that goal. So at some point, you have to be more aggressive. Can't just sit and continue to take it. The players have got to take responsibility here. Yeah, and I think it's down to not having a natural defensive midfielder that will give you the shout. Tony Cruz is not a defensive midfielder. I think his reading of the game in the first leg was quite excellent. I thought that was a big reason why they were able to control midfield. But having younger players who were going to say, hey, you two midfielders, Fede Valverde, do your job up top, press, win the ball. In the first leg, Madrid pressed. And they were quite successful stifling mid City than they did in this second leg affair. And we've seen it. Teams that have come to the Etihad, Manchester City, 13 goals for in the knockout stages, zero goals against. 
This is a city team that you cannot give time and space. The German clubs that have come to the Etihad, they learned the hard way. You have to pick and choose your times to be more aggressive. In the second half, when Madrid had nothing else to play for and said, hey, why not? Let's be more aggressive and pressing. They got chances. They look like a completely different team. They'll learn their lesson, but it came a bit too late. City, the deserved winners. James. Yeah, I don't I don't think that that Ancelotti really wanted his team to play in any way like the way they did, because you know, as you noted there, Mike, if you wanted your team to sit on their own 18-yard box and try and counter, well, you know, you would find space in there for for Chiuamani to to sit and shield the back four. I mean, Tony Crows is defending for I think it was the first goal was I mean you know that's elite level waitering that's you know sorry sir let me let me get you good night please let me show you to this prime location in the penalty area this it's not defensive midfielder ring as I know it um it but that's kind of why I'm I'm just like this isn't like it's so far away from what Madrid planned that we can clearly read into that City just bullied them made them play a game that they were completely incapable of playing, that they did not have the players for. I mean, my favourite, there are millions of these stats. I could give you so many. I like the one about how Gundogan had more touches in the penalty area than the entire Real Madrid team. That Kanji had more than Benzema, I think. That was when I checked at 70 minutes. But my favourite, Luka Modric didn't make a single pass in the attacking third in the first half. You know, this is just about a team that are created. And I, I sent you guys as well the the, the heat map at, at 25 minutes, which I, I, I think should have included a flame emoji for Courtois. <laughs> but that aside, all the heat was like in Madrid's six-yard box. They couldn't get out. Um, it was just, this was just bully ball from City. This was like, and I know you'll appreciate this, Mike. This was like Victor Wembanyama against five <laughs> six-year-olds. They can't get near him. Great shout, baby. Come on, you Spurs. Not those Spurs that we don't like, the other Spurs. Serge jumping in and saying Rudiger should have started this game. We also had Krishna jumping in and saying also Benzema, Modric and Kroos really felt their age, which is a great point tonight. And I think we also heard that in the commentary tonight a number of times. Maybe at this age, it's a step too far for them against a team, especially the way Manchester City like to pass the ball around. Um, I want to get to a stat in just a minute, but I'm just going to get to this one here. Oscar, Ian, if you love Pep Guardiola so much, why don't you marry him? Oscar, I'm a Manchester (laughs) United fan. I just admire beautiful football and it, it pains me to say this my father's a Manchester United fan I had to FaceTime him at half time and said I don't think I've ever you, ever drilled a Manchester City performance ever before but have that you was come to terms with what's going to happen to you and in the third oh come on I think it's best oh, to embrace on, it bitch. now come like on, like um can we do succession spoilers like <laughs> pre-grieving um it's worth you coming to terms right now with what's going to happen to you on June the 3rd. I'm almost, because it's going to be so, it would be so pleasurable for me to experience yeah. your suffering in person, like in person at Wembley. I'm right. almost minded to sell my Beyonce ticket and try and get to the FA Cup final. Well, we, we kind of had a warm up after watching the pain you suffered while your team went to <laughs> yes. the Etihad. So we feel your pain, James, and we're kind of preparing for what is coming. So thanks very much for that. But I do, I love beautiful football. And I, I hope everyone doesn't see it out there that I'm a Manchester City fan because I'm not a United fan. I admire beautiful football. Real Madrid were absolutely hammered today. And if you're a Real Madrid fan out there who is in complete denial, take a good look at yourself. That football that you saw today, you haven't seen your team play that good a football 
for a very long time. That's one of the best teams in Europe I've ever seen and one of the best performances against one of the most educated institutions in football ever. Here's a few stats from that first half. 15 minutes into the game, Real Madrid had completed 13 passes. Manchester City, 120. I was taking note just for this reason. Manchester City starting 11 in the first half. Only two players did not have a shot in that first half. One was Ederson, which I'm quite surprised by. (laughs) And the other one was Ruben Diaz. Every other player had a shot. Bernardo Silva had three and Erling Haaland had three shots. It was an absolute schooling in that first half. And uh, we're going to talk more on this game when we do come back here on House of Champions. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're a US-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from Serie A to the Champions League to NWSL and so much more in between. If you're not sure it's for you, you can try one month for free by using the code EUROPE. Welcome back and let's get back into the Champions League semi-final second leg between Manchester City and Real Madrid. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy alongside James Bench and Michael LaHood, my co-host today. Um, James, I'll come to you on this one here. Um, one particular performer, and I, I know he doesn't get a lot of credit that he does deserve in my personal opinion for being a standout performer is Rodri for Manchester City we just don't speak enough about him people maybe make fun of him because of the way he pulls up his shorts but for me he's kind of the glue around Manchester City he's always available he's so consistent on the ball and we can talk about the flair players that City have and the goal scorers but what he does for Manchester City is absolutely sensational was there any other performer out there that stood out to you? I mean, that's quite interesting because I I haven't quite finished my piece uh, on the game. But kind of almost the point I made is, you know, you have moments for City where they're the Gundogan. They feel like the Gundogan team or the Haaland team. Obviously, they always feel like the Haaland team or even the team of the four centre-backs. You know, that's been a bit of a narrative of late. And yet for this one, it really felt like a team in, in symphony together. I mean, I could pick loads. But it's more about personal preference. I think I absolutely love just sort of, I mean, I had it on the iPad. So it was quite, so you don't always notice it and you just go, oh, Gundogan's in the box again, unmarked. Um, I mentioned him already. I thought Kyle Walker was wonderful. Brilliant. I still think he is criminally underrated and he, he is the best defensive fullback in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go so far as to say, except maybe Manuel Akanji. Um, and obviously I think the one I would want to point out is you pay a hundred million pound, your hundred million pound player is the one you want to set the tempo, the tone for the big game. Those first 10 minutes, Jack Grealish was unstoppable. He has been on another level this season. He was a lot better than people gave him credit for last season. But if you're getting performances like this and I, you know, when I say things like a hundred million is a bargain, we all have to remember that you know everything that hangs over city and we should mention like you know there are an awful lot of questions that city need to answer and a lot awful lot of things that could happen down the line that may take some of the luster off this but equally like man that's a hundred million pound talent there and i adored watching Grealish today 
Jack Grealish yeah. has created more chances in 2022-23 Champions League than any other English player has recorded in a single wow. Champions League campaign. Super Jack breaking Super Frank Lampard's record of 34 from 2008 and 2009. He's on a mission here, Mike. Yeah, he's developing his game. He's changing his game and how to be more effective. Remember, one of the early chances that Erling Holland had came from a Jackie Grealish cross. In the season before, he was predictable, coming in on his right foot, as we saw at Villa time and time again, trying to almost prove himself. Now he's figuring out, and I think part of that has been allowing himself to play with another world-class striker like Harry Kane, learning how to be effective with the England squad. Remember, when he's coming with England, he's learned how to either get to the byline or go inside and clip in across. What I like from Jack Grealish is he didn't get involved and he didn't get sucked in to what Danny Carvajal tried to bait him back into. He's a physical prowess of a man. I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of his game. He's got the mentality, which he's not going to be bullied, but we've seen him get knocked over in years past. This game, he stood up to be accounted. And when he comes inside, I think that combination, that flair, that chemistry with Ilkay Gundogan, that has been one of the keys to success. Both players never pop up in the same spots. Well, Gundogan goes out wide, Grealish is coming in, and vice versa. That is a nightmare as a midfielder, especially as a Real Madrid midfielder, to keep tabs of, let alone a defender. James, uh, before we do get into the two coaches here and then head to another break, um, I think it's best to maybe just have a quick look, uh, a glance ahead, just just briefly on what's coming from Manchester City because this is um, a goalkeeper who's had eight clean sheets now in the Champions League from 12 appearances, and that's Andre Anana. And also the three centre-backs in front of them, which most likely will be a five with the, the way that Dumfries and DiMarco play. They, they play as a five-man backline. Certainly that's the way they played for a majority of that game against AC Milan. Then they break when they have the ball. This is a very defensive-minded but very dangerous offensive team that Inter Milan has. And it's not going to be easy for Manchester City. However, you would expect City to pretty much dominate the ball. Yeah, I mean, I know Mike last night said that Inter Milan were favourites. I suspect he might want to reassess that. Um, and I am, and I said I just think Inter have a chance. Um, I'm now kind of what, what's below chance? A shot or something like? That? <laughs> <laughs> you are ruthless. But then, I don't want to be like. I have, again, I have written in my column. <laughs> I'm not kind of willing to say that in the Champions League because maybe the hang-ups that you totally didn't feel were there tonight, maybe they emerge in Istanbul. Maybe there are other things and, you know, maybe maybe Inter Milan, if Inter Milan deliver the greatest collective performance Inter Milan have ever delivered and City are off-colour, that's how Inter Milan win it. I don't want to. I don't want to set unreasonable demands of Inter Milan, but just play each of you individually and collectively the greatest football match you have and played and ever will play, and then you've got a chance. That's it, Mike. Mike. So I just want to set the record straight. I did not say that they were favorites. I said they were going to win, though. <laughs> I said that they're the underdogs, and they love it. Don't put that in your column, James. Please don't, because I don't want to get just crapped on by so many people from around the world. It's already you in. It Sorry. It's already <laughs> gone. Sorry. I think I said it maybe a week ago or two weeks ago. I cannot wait for this final because I hope, I think, and now I hope, given this city performance, it was – you know, a certainty in my mind. Now it's becoming an absolute prayer. Get your rosary beads out because this could be the time that we see Romelu Lukaku have his greatest moment 
in an inter jersey. He's going to have to. The whole team, as you said, James, collectively will have to. The collective nature of how inter are playing, that could be the strength that goes up against this city team. Right now, it's really hard to see City, given the momentum that they've built, losing any sort of game, let alone a final. But it's a one-off. Inter Milan are a cup team. It's a one-off, and you can't sleep on Inter in cup finals. They are pretty good. Mike, this is one of the best teams I think I've ever seen play football, Manchester City. And I think if they do get that one Champions League, we could be looking at a domination for a very long time from this Manchester City uh, club. And the way that they bring players into the club, the way that they rotate players out of the football club, the way they stick by players, the way they have these fresh players off the bench who can just win games for you, the way that they come up against a challenge and are ready to go, they are, in my opinion the best team in Europe right now. So we find it very hard to think that Inter can have a sniff. However, the only thing I will say against Manchester City is that their away record, if you look at they draw a lot of games on the road in the Champions League. They have drawn a lot of games on the road. And of course, they're not playing the Champions League final on home soil. It's going to be an interesting one for them. But I just don't, in my personal opinion, Manchester City, far too good. I'll be surprised if City don't score three in the final. That's as far as I'm going. And I understand. I, I get Onana's record um, of clean sheets. I mentioned before, eight from the 12. I get it, how, how well-organized Inter are. But this is something that Inter have not faced yet. They've, they've, they've gone the easier route to the final. We can't deny that, Mike. They've gone the easier route on the bracket to get to the final. You're playing against the Portuguese teams. Then you obviously get a Milan side that you've dominated domestically for a long time to get to the final. Now you're coming up against uh, a team that's just blown past the best that there is in this uh, competition. So I just don't see it. Go ahead, Mike. Ian, this is the Champions League final. This is where just upsets are made to happen. I want to go back to the last time, one of the last times, the Champions League final was in Istanbul. English team, versus Italian opposition, the tables were turned. And what were we saying about the Milan side of 05? Unbeatable. Liverpool aren't going to have a chance in hell against this Milan side. This is a final. And you can't sleep on Inter. I know that we're saying City, on paper, City, I mean, they're going to wipe the floor with them. But So finals, are you brave enough to give off? me a prediction right now then? Are I you brave I, enough to give that prediction right absolutely. now? Absolutely. I will give you one. Inter Milan are going to win the Champions League 2-2-1. Two, two, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be either extra time or on penalty kicks. Inter are going to win. I've said James it. almost fell off his chair. James. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. How can on you me, watch James. that performance? How can you watch that performance and then say that? I don't, I, I, it's beyond me, Mike. Do you Go think, ahead. Do you, if you're Simone and Zaggy, do you think he would even like, can you stop them watching that game? Like when it's like, two, when, when Bernardo scores the second, just text yeah, everyone and go. Turn, it Turn your TVs off now. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I like you. I th- I would say three 0 City. Oh, They're just so much better. Come, come on, guys. So much better. So much better. All right, real quickly before we do go to break, let's discuss the bosses here. We'll start with uh, Pep Guardiola. Obviously, um, after having this type of success, producer Des has put some notes here in for me with the semi-final record: uh, eliminating Chelsea with Barca, eliminating Real Madrid with Barca, eliminating PSG with Barca uh, with Manchester City in twenty-one, and then obviously eliminated Real Madrid. And he has had a lot of heartbreak against um, uh, uh, who have I got here? Chelsea, Real Madrid, and then Atleti, um, Barca when he was at Bayern, then Real Madrid last year, obviously. So there has been a lot of heartbreak. And this is uh, the one that there's no doubt that City Football Group won. This is what they want, James. City Football Group are chasing the Champions League. Premier League, I get it. 
a, a domestic treble. I get it, but they, in my opinion, would throw all of their yeah. um, all of their dices, all of their checkers, whatever it is, uh, into winning the Champions League and forgetting everything else. The only thing that intrigues me, it's sort of, it all is a bit kind of unspoken and you, you sort of, everyone whispers about it, is whether this becomes Pep's moment to ride off into the sunset on a treble. You know, we know he's someone that, you know, doesn't feel like he has to stay forever. I don't buy it. I mean, partly, I just don't see another club or another job, you know, including national teams out there that would appeal to him anymore. Um I think this this season would would maybe maybe be his crowning glory. I mean, it's hard because what he achieved at Barcelona is just just redefined modern football. And this is basically, you know, Pep to an extent is Pep on easy mode um, yeah. with everything set up for him. But you know, to build a club that were nothing. I mean, they had deep European runs before Guardiola, but they weren't a force. Um, I don't think he's going to rush to go. Yeah, I mean, I remember interviewing him before the last final, and you know, even now when you see him, he he seems like he's enjoying the work. Um, yes, and why when you've when you've worked so hard to build the next City team with Grealish, with Foden, with Haaland, with Diaz? Yes, why on earth would you want to? Uh, why on earth would you want to leave them to someone else? Yes, Mike. Yeah, I'm not seeing it, especially if they win. This reminds me of the New England Patriots for the NFL fans out there. When they beat Atlanta in the Super Bowl, I remember hearing a story of Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, the whole group getting into a room and saying, hey, if one of us leaves, we all leave. Belichick saying, I'm not retiring, I'm staying. And they go on to have more success. The ship is just getting right in the Champions League by Pep Guardiola, and I don't see them. The only, only job... Now, nah, I'm not even going to go there. I was going to say, why not want to work with Florian Balogun? But I'm not going to look like a mug. <laughs> I already sound like a mug. I know. I already sound like a mug saying Inter are going to win. So I'll stop there. Just one thing to say as well. Um, who are Pep Guardiola's great heroes? Uh, Tiger Woods. Didn't really settle for one major, did he? Uh, Michael Jordan, Mr. Ah. Three Pete. Julia Roberts, you know, he'll be looking at that. He'll be thinking <laughs> what Julia Roberts achieved in the late 90s and early noughties. You know, top of the box office. Oscars left, right, and center. You know, she didn't stop on one. I don't, she might only have won one for Erin Brockovich, but you know what I mean? Julia Roberts did not settle for pretty women. I think woman. she's won like, I think pretty she's won woman, like yeah. four or five. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, pretty good. woman. Yeah, exactly. She didn't say, pretty woman, I'm out. She went, get me Erin Brockovich, get me <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. You know, I think Pep Guardiola is going to be very motivated to enjoy himself over the next few years. Could you imagine him bailing? No, you just can't see it. You really can't. And it would be fabulous to finish on a treble and then walk away. Obviously, everybody would like to write that final chapter. But at his age, you would expect there's a lot more to come. And I think this is a long-term plan for City Football Group that they want to dominate Europe for a long period of time. And they have to be able to, to be to have the main man in charge. They have to be able to have someone that they trust to be able to bring the players in, release players, and uh, obviously make the right moves. And and Pep's that guy. He's built it to the stage right now. And they've had some heartbreak along the way, and it's taken them a while 
to get to the stage where you say, all right, City are clear favourites here. Um, but this is uh, something to certainly keep your eyes on here. Quick shout out to Dwight Cole, who's in the chat right now. Absolutely hammering Mike here. I'm not going to read your words out, Dwight, but if you've got nothing positive to say, please feel free to exit the door. We've got a great group of people here who are jumping in our comments regularly. They want to join in the conversation. And of course, our co-hosts are free to say whatever they want. If you want to have a go at everybody else, go find another show, mate. Um, this is House of Champions for a reason because we've got three champions who are on with you right now willing to discuss everything. Quick uh, note on Ancelotti. James, what do you think about Ancelotti? He is uh, done and dusted. We've just got clarification from Krishna. Julia Roberts has one Oscar. That's oh, very important that, we are, that we're clear on that. Um, I think, frankly, I think that that is kind of like how many Champions League's pet powers. You're like, should be more. Mm-hmm. For that top level, should be more. But there well, you go. Speaking of what Oscars, Ancelotti. <laughs> I I don't particularly think I don't I don't again this, how, how can this really change your view on Ancelotti? I think for him it, like the Brazil job makes sense, and as we were saying yesterday, I think it was Nigel was saying the fact that the Brazilian national team are willing to kind of rip up what you know what is history for them, and I I'm personally of the view that big international teams should be managed by people from their country. Um, but it shows what what he is elite at. He will always be one of the best at the world in managing and wrangling superstar talent. I think Madrid would be taking an almighty risk letting him go. Whoever succeeds, I mean, you're thinking Nagelsmann or Zidane, Pochettino probably looking at that Chelsea contract saying, this pen's not working, lads. Um, <laughs> just give me a week. Um, I'm not sure. I think would be certain that as, as great as all those names I've just mentioned are, you know, I feel like there's a baseline with with Ancelotti, which generally means you'll be there or thereabouts in the Champions League. In particular, that's what matters to Madrid, and you know he has done phenomenally well for them in that competition. So I yeah. think it would be a shame for Madrid to lose them. But if I was him, I'd go and take the Brazil job because that just would be amazing. Great job! Oh my gosh, so much talent to work with. I mean, if you're him and you see the players on display from the last World Cup, as Nigel said yesterday, it's a big, big honor to be, I think we'd be one of the first non-Brazilians to coach the Brazilian national team. You get to work with players that you already have worked with, the likes of Vinny Jr., who will be the next talisman for this Brazil team, Rodrigo stepping in, and maybe, just maybe, he can right the wrongs of this crappy season for Richarlison and get him back in good graces. Mike, just uh, repeat for everybody out there one more time, including Dwight Cole, what your prediction was for the final. Uh, I'm saying a bold 2-1 win for Inter. Who scores? Inter to win the Champions League. Lautaro and Big Rom. I thought you were going to send Erling Haaland hat-trick with two own goals right there. <laughs> Great job, Michael Lude. You heard it here first. Producer Des, cut that, cut that, save that. He said it, not us. Uh, great stuff, boys. That was the Champions League semi-final second leg. Manchester City getting a convincing 4-0 win over Real Madrid. They move on to face Inter Milan in the final. And what will be a massive game for Italy. It will be a massive game for City fans. There's no doubt about it. We're looking forward to it. But speaking of teams from Italy... We're turning our attention to a couple who are playing in the Europa League next right here on House of Champions. Stick around. 
quickfire whip around because that took us 35 minutes to get to this third segment of the show. Normally, we're only supposed to do 40 minutes, but I seem to enjoy going 50. So let's try and whip around this one pretty quickly. Uh, James, I know that the Europa League, obviously, there's so many tremendous, totally talented players that we find out in this competition. We got two big teams from Italy in there with Juventus and Roma. Uh, obviously, Sevilla, maybe they should have this trophy named after them, in my personal the opinion. Sevilla Invitational, yeah. I think that would be quite a good name for it. <laughs> The Unai, Unai Emery Invitational. Or Unai Emery presents the Sevilla yeah. Invitational. <laughs> they were so unlucky uh, against Juventus away from mm. home. I couldn't believe oh, they almost yes. got that victory in the last seconds of the game, conceding that goal. Let's turn our attention to that one real quickly before we obviously discuss Xavi Alonso and Leverkusen up against Mourinho and Roma. Uh, Michael, come to you on this one. Obviously, Juventus against Sevilla. I favor Juve to make it to the final. Mm. Uh, people think I'm crazy for that, am I? I think you're a little bit crazy. Probably not as crazy as me talking about Inter winning the Champions League. But this is a Sevilla side. They are the kings of the Europa League. Since they've gotten into the knockout stage, home is where the heart is for the side from Andalusia. And Yusuf El-Nesri, he loves to play at home. He loves to score goals in this competition. He was one goal or maybe two clear chances away from being even more of a hero, getting that first leg goal will give him so much confidence. Sevilla, they will be kicking themselves for not seeing the game out because they will be happy to sit back, absorb, and wait for their one chance. The longer this game goes into the 90 minutes or maybe possible extra time, the needle goes towards Sevilla and that 12th man of their stadium. That will be a factor in this game. James? Um. Not a huge amount more to add because I've been very clear. I'm not interested in this tie very much mm -hmm. at all. Um, but it is definitely the case that Sevilla are really rounding into form. Obviously, that 3-0 win away at Valladolid, I think, uh, on Saturday or Sunday. Um, must have been Sunday. Um, whereas Juventus, obviously, there's so much hanging over them. Um, I guess they, they know probably that they have to, you know, from talking to, to colleagues in, in Italy and the like, they know they probably have to win this competition to play in the Champions League next season, play in any form of European football next season. I think that's more of an inhibiting factor, specifically with this Juventus team. I'd, it's hard to know why. It just is the sense I get of the you know the way that Allegri has has managed this team this season. I I, I almost think they're they're far better when the pressure's off. I mean that's why I mean they've been wobbling in Serie A now, now that it's like we could get second, we could blow it. Um, so, yeah, kind of fancy severe for this one. But look, you know me, I'm all about Roma Leverkusen. We'll get to that one in just a quick second here. I'm going to just mention the fact that um, obviously Allegri understands that Juve have been very inconsistent this year. From what we've seen from some of their superstars, it's been inconsistent performances. He's made some interesting choices with the starting 11 as well. So I'm really intrigued to see which 11 he goes with here. Producer Des put in a great comment here from Jose Luis Mendilibar. Um, he's mentioning that he uh, wants to renew, but the club insists on waiting until the end of the season to see if he can renew. This is a great comment that Producer Des put in here. Some of you thought this fool he comes here for three months he is a dead man and well he is not so dead he is quite alive i love to hear comments like that especially when you've got a real opportunity of making it to a european final if you watch them domestically yeah you're probably not enjoying them and wondering why the hell they're here but this is their competition they know how to have success in this competition and i'm really excited to see if they have success once again against this uv team i'm intrigued to see how uv perform if uv play well i really believe that they can make it to a final but again this 
this is another team that I just do not like to bet against, and that is Sevilla. So I'm staying well away from that game. James, it's time. Let's discuss yes. uh, Leverkusen against Roma. Uh, Xavi Alonso, obviously, so many people are talking about his future at Leverkusen. He is certainly a well sought after coach. Could it be Real Madrid? Could it be Spurs? Could it be every other bloody club? He has yeah, saying he's staying. Yeah, everybody says they're staying, James. All right, until they're not. So, I mean, this is a this is a big game for Xavi Alonso, and he's had a fantastic season at Leverkusen, especially after starting off poorly. They were losing games. They were inconsistent. They had some injuries, but they just couldn't get the team to play. And then all of a sudden, it clicked. Go on a 15-game run without losing or 14-game run without losing. And uh, then all of a sudden, find themselves 1-0 down against Roma going into the second leg. It's a great game to look forward to. Yeah, and it has sort of slowed the momentum a little bit over the last few weeks. I mean, they they drew away to, St- and I know Stuttgart are, are fighting for safety, and, and Leverkusen probably know that it's they're going to get top six, but they're not getting top four. And yeah. I, I suspect they probably rotated a little bit. I think the the question really for me is that first leg was the Mourinho in Europe game. Roma slowed it down. They let, you know, they they rode the early pressure and, and actually kept Leverkusen at arm's length. I thought they dealt with Diaby and Frimpong really well um, down that side, took that chance that came their way and, and just drove Leverkusen to distraction. Does that work as well in the Bay Arena? I mean, it, it, not that the Bay Arena is some great cauldron of of noise and, and difficulty for Roma, but it's easier to do that sort of stuff when you've got your own fans cheering you on and the pressure for the for the referee is is from the home, from your fans, not from the Leverkusen fans. And it's tough. It's a really tight one. You kind of lean towards Roma on the basis that there's so much experience in that team. There's so many players that and on the bench. know the dark arts really well. But Verts, Diaby, Adley, that's a lot of game changers. Yeah, James, I'm I'm so glad that you're saying that about Mourinho. You will see the biggest bus parked in front of that Roma goal. <laughs> Forget a mega bus. This will be the mega buses of mega buses. Mac ten size truck covering that goal because of what you just said, Ian. Or as you call it in America, a uh, small family car. <laughs> in Texas, wait, wait, if you've been to Texas, whenever you come to Texas, those will be even bigger because everything's bigger here in Texas, including Victor Webanyama. More on that later. But when you look at this matchup for Roma, it's about managing the game. Mourinho, I think the only wrinkle is leading up to this tie. They've played every second leg match at home at the Stadio Olimpico, and it was getting and staying competitive in that first leg. I just wonder, given the injury situation, given not having as many players healthy, I just wonder if Mourinho gambles and says, okay, Dybala, you're in, or some of these other players. I don't see that. I think he's going to try and frustrate Bayer, and it brings me to this. That first goal is going to be massive. For a young Leverkusen side, we've seen what happens in Europe and domestically when they get that first goal, they'll take it any way, which way they want it. Keep an eye, not just in that front three, but both outside backs. Frimpong gets so many accolades, but Becker in Europe, he has been quality as well. If he can get involved more than he was in the first leg, then Leverkusen will have the advantage. Matt Osman jumping in and saying Sevilla against Roma in the final. Anyone but Juve, he also says. Erbod saying Sevilla against Leverkusen. I agree with Matt. It'll be Sevilla, the team that never lose the Europa League final against Roma with Jose, who never lost a cup final. Nice comment from Krishna coming in right there. Um, and then the bus comment. Everybody seemed to like the bus comment right there. Um, before we do move on to some fun, go ahead. 
he coined that phrase. People kind of forget now because he's like yeah. the ultimate bus driver. But it was against <laughs> Tottenham or Bolton when he was Chelsea manager. He complained about them parking the bus. It was Bolton, I think it was. Yeah, it was Bolton. Rightly, back in the day. Uh, real quickly from both of you on the Europa Conference League, West Ham are in action against AZ Alkmaar, who scored five goals before halftime at the weekend. I watched their game. It was awesome. They were brilliant. And one of the games in the Netherlands that wasn't cancelled because of smoke bombs being thrown on the field, they got to play. AZ Alkmaar look absolutely unstoppable. So this would be a big game for West Ham. And then in the other game, Basel against Fiorentina. Um, Basel have a 2-1 advantage after an amazing comeback uh, win in Florence in the first leg. I'm excited about this one because my one of my former teams Teammates from St. Pauli, Timo Schultz, former boss at St. Pauli as well, has taken over Basel from the summer onwards. So I'm hoping his team do pretty well for them, especially getting to a conference league final. That would be awesome. So, James, then, Mike, just give me your uh, ideas of what to expect from the conference from both games. Yeah, I mean, obviously, my eyes have been quite heavily on West Ham. I thought they were really great how they responded to a bad start against Alkmaar. And I thought almost think that's the antithesis of what you expect from West Ham. Yeah, they lost to Brentford, but like they're safe they'll be fine so they're not too worried about that and all those eggs are in that basket they've just got better players than Alkmaar Declan Rice in particular but the the options they've got across the front line it feels like it feels like a little bit of West Ham destiny right now um, and I know it I know it will mean a lot to Alkmaar as well but it, this is something that has been driving West Ham forward in the Europa League last season and now in the Conference League that chance to get European silverware. It's something, I mean, it's also, let's just say, it's one of the brilliant parts of the Conference League. I know that it's not really invented for the English teams to win, but um, just opening up the European competition, the European world, and giving us four phenomenal like finalists, all of whom it would mean a great deal for them to win. So much love for the Conference League and its sexy trophy. I think that if West Ham are to win this trophy, they should give... David De Gea, his flowers and kudos and saying, thanks, David. You gave us confidence with that howler of a moment at the London Stadium because they're rounding into form in Europe. And you look at players that have taken a long time to settle in. Lucas Paqueta looks more like the player that they brought in from Lyon, stepping up higher. I think when he first got into the team, he didn't know where he was going to be effective. Antonio being more like the Antonio we saw last year. And Ben Rama. Said Ben Rama was a big factor in them playing well and almost qualifying for Europe. He seems to be more of the player. I am very intrigued by this Fiorentina-Basel side. Ian, you had told me not to sleep on Basel, and now I know why. <clears throat> They're a team. Fiorentina, a bunch of individuals, and that Lech Poznan game, that was the exposing game that led to this. Their, their back line is not as solid. Fiorentina, they look like world beaters after the World Cup. They're not the same team. They need to get it together. They have individuals that can come off the bench and then attack to win you a game, but you need more than just individual performances to get into the final. Yeah, I'm very excited to see actually who makes it to the final in both of those games there. I just hope to see a great final more than anything else and may the best teams win. Uh, James, before we do move on to our final comments and just talk about the championships before a bit of fun in the end, I want to discuss uh, Ivan Tony. The news broke and I read your article Ooh. today on cbssports.com. Um, suspended for eight months, maybe give us some details on it. And also, um, I mean, this is this is absolutely unreal news. I mean, this is crazy. Massive and a little bit more than what was expected. You know, the talk was that it would be around the six-month mark. And of course, bear in mind that the season's nearly over. So that six months would have been out till November. That's a slightly bad injury. As mm -hmm. it is mid-January, he will be able to train with his teammates from 
September the 17th onwards and play from January the 17th. But I don't know how much value four months of, I mean, it's better than nothing, but I don't know how much value four months of training but not playing brings. It's a huge, huge blow for Brentford because it's not even like it's long enough that you can plan without him. They probably can't sell him now. And if they do, they'd be selling him a, a huge markdown. It's a blow for Tony as well, of course. And, um, you know, it's it's frustrating to see that at the Premier League second highest scorer. And of course, like, you know, everyone knows it is wrong. You know, and it's very clear. The FA very clear and long been very punitive on footballers betting. But let's not forget that on Ivan Tony's Brentford shirt is Hollywood bets. Uh, if Ivan Tony sits down to watch his next opponents on Sky Sports, he will be bombarded with betting adverts. If he watches any, if you go to any Premier League game, you cannot escape betting. And I know that, you know, I know that we live in a podcast world where we talk about betting and no one is kind of immune from this. And for a lot of people, betting is, is just good, harmless fun. But as much as, you know, I'm not good, uh, condoning what Tony has done. He is reflective. His, this experience in this case is reflective of, of football's culture towards betting and, you know, if that doesn't change, and we do need to take gambling companies off football shirts. If that doesn't change, like there will be more Ivan Tonys. Um, and I think we need to kind of deal with the root of the problem as much as we do also have to make clear that footballers can't really bet on football. Do you think that that's why um, the Premier League made a move early on? Because obviously dealing with this Ivan Tony situation, because they've taken it the move to make remove the betting companies from the front of the jersey, but they can still have it on the side of the jersey, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And, and don't forget, of course, hanging over a lot of this, and I would include the, even the Ivan Tony case in this. And obviously, this is the FA's decision, but football as a whole is very keen right now in the UK to prove that it can police itself, so that the government doesn't propose, uh, doesn't enforce an independent regulator on it. Now that is particularly the case with the Premier League, but across the board, football is doing everything it can to convince, you know, those that make the laws that it should be able to police its own house. And I think that's why we're seeing quite punitive punishments on things like yeah. that. But it is not going far enough to 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 take to put them on the side there. You know, I could still then go to Brentford's yeah. club shop next season. And Brentford aren't alone, West Ham's wherever, and get myself a walking advert for a, a, a quite often a bookmaker that I've never heard of and wouldn't even know how to place a bet with. Yeah, trust me, I waited a long time before I could place a bet, even after I played, because yeah. I didn't want it to get anywhere near my career. Um, and I did. I waited until after my career to do many things that I wasn't supposed to be doing, you know, but I still had some fun after I finished playing. Um, and I do love a wager. It's something that I'm quite passionate about. And for many people out there, they obviously understand and recognize that I am very heavily involved in the, the gambling space. And it is, it is for fun for me. It's more of an entertainment than it is for anything else. But I understand how serious it can be if you are not betting responsibly. And clearly, Ivan Tony got carried away. Mike, do you have a comment before we move on? Yeah, I, I'm bummed for him as a player. Is just on the field. His contribution to Brentford, his contribution to the Premier League. These are the moments where winning on and off the field matter so much <clears throat> as an athlete. And this is what can derail what could have been the start of an international career that was surely on the cards as well as a positive Premier League career. I hope he uses this time to think about his actions moving forward because this is just a bummer in a football sense. We do have a game and uh, many people call it the richest game in football. It is the championship playoff to look forward to. Uh, Mike, I'll come to you first on this one. James, follow up. Uh, we do have Ethan Horvath in the final with Luton Town, who 
I thought they've been awesome to watch this year, Luton Town. I've really enjoyed watching them. They're young, they're exciting, especially going forward. They have been a bit vulnerable in big games, um, but I still think they're an exciting team. And it's one of the worst stadiums I've ever played in. One of the most <laughs> compact stadiums I've ever played in. Difficult place to play in. James, go ahead. And I think there's no bigger proof of the rise of Luton than the fact that Ian Joy has played at their ground and Erling Haaland could be next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as uh, producer Des is getting pissed off with me mentioning Luton, they are facing, of course, Coventry City, who just beat Middlesbrough today. So um, we will not see Zach Steffen in the final, Mike. We're going to yeah. see Coventry against Luton in the final. So producer Des doesn't want us to talk about Luton, apparently. So let's th not discuss the final. No, just talk away. Take it away wherever you want to go with this one here. It's, it's nice to see Coventry there. I'm happy for them. Yeah, I am bummed on a U.S. men's national team sense because Zach Steffen, as of late, he just can't help himself. Involved in another blunder to give Coventry City, I think, probably a deserved win to get to the playoff final. I know. I'll keep saying it. But <laughs> I can't wait. This is one of the few times I really dive into the championship is for the playoff final. I remember when Jay Demerit was in it. I think that was the first time I really got sucked in. And yeah. seeing an American do so well, I wonder if Horvath can be the next American hero in England you know, below the Premier League's biggest stage. Uh, two two things. Firstly, look, the championship for me is all about convenience for me, myself and I. So I was devastated, gutted to see Southampton go down because they're not that far away. Um, obviously, it looks like Leicester. I'd really miss them as well. Um, and to see them replaced by two teams from the north, that's a hammer blow for me and my needs. Um, so therefore, Luton, Coventry, that's the dream scenario for me. Last time I was at... Coventry, the last two times I was at Coventry Stadium, I saw Bruce Springsteen and I saw a Papa John's Trophy game, which I think is a great summation of Coventry. And let's, can I be clear on this? Ian, I even heard you slipping into this. For our American listeners, it is pronounced Coventry. I have, I cannot tell you how, because I think the thing is because they're in the championship, like Mike was saying, it doesn't really, that no one really mentions them very often. I've kind of got used to some of your unbearable quirks as a nation. Um, but this Coventry thing needs to stop right here, right now. It is pronounced Coventry. I know that I know that we are in, the English are world famous for massacring languages across the world. But come on, guys, Coventry. Trust and me, I know it's Coventry. To go up. And I can 90s. tell you one of the reasons why I like Coventry is because my father played for Jimmy Hill at Coventry. Oh, so I know it's oh, called Coventry back in the day. And if I was to mispronounce it, I'd promptly get a nice smack in the back of the head from either my mother or my father. Uh, before we go, a little bit of fun from both of you here. Um, we did see an amazing video here with uh, Victor Wembayama. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He is an absolute giant. Here's Kylian Mbappe sitting next to him, expected to be the number one. <laughs> one draft pick seven foot five inches right here um is there any footballer out there that could compare in size with seven foot five that you could think of here mike i'll go you first oh i'm thinking of a certain englishman peter crouch crouchy yeah crouchy, crouchy. Yeah. crouchy. not like bad yeah. not bad is there anybody in this picture you would recognize for our <laughs> podcast listeners out there mention the name <laughs> i see uh i forgot the referee's name in the background there's a fella blocking him <laughs> He actually has hair in this moment, something we haven't seen since the mid two thousand. Oh, that's Nigel Rio Coker. Well, my first thought on seeing Mbappe meeting Wembanyama is this is what it must have felt like for Ian Joy meeting myself and Jonathan Johnson in London. <laughs> I couldn't believe in, it. in New York. I couldn't I mean, believe absolute, it. 
I couldn't believe how short you were. <laughs> I am a short arse, yeah. And many people uh, don't expect to see that because I got a big heart. Exactly. And, and real fighting as well, like many short people, <laughs> like Napoleon. Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I, I'm really, I mean, I'm a big NBA guy. I don't want to go too deep yeah. in this. I actually think if you're looking for like a Wembenyama comp, you're probably looking at, at Haaland. Um, big, I mean, there's, I know there are a lot of the actually, I almost use people like Yanis and. When Benyama next, you almost sort of compare, say like they are like the, the Harland is like them. Harland is the first of the unicorns that we now see right across the NBA. Um, but even like even by unicorn standards, when Benyama is like some sort of robot alien unicorn, and I'm so so excited and delighted for Mike that I guess you might get to see him a fair bit in person in San Antonio Hopefully. and Austin, baby. Go Spurs, go! Can't wait. Yeah, until they, they trade away that pick. I mean, they've already traded <laughs> yeah. up for that pick, so they'll probably trade it away for something ridiculous. It always happens when it comes to the draft. Uh, just for the record, um, I'm trying to think if there has been a player. What I used to do back in the day, you know, um, when you would walk out on the field, you'd have these kids ready to walk out on the field, you know, and then here in the States, they do the national anthem, and you've got like a little mascot child next to you. All my teammates, no matter where I went, whether it was St. Pauli, whether it was like Real Salt Lake, Portland, they gave me the tallest like ball kid <laughs> or, or mascot. Like, and I must admit, there was about six times where the ball kid was taller than I was, me holding hands, walking out onto the pitch. Got absolutely roasted. Boys, great stuff, once, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have, Mike. But oh, yeah. Mike, Mike, you have you you've been with James and JJ, right? You you know how I've tall only, they are. No, only been with JJ, and the only reason why I knew that they were both tall was because I ended up missing the Brooklyn the energy experience. Yeah. yeah, it was the energy. It was actually it was the group chat <laughs> where I think it was you and Nigel saying I can't say the expletives, but. Pretty much you can imagine the F-birds of F and hell. These two are massive. So when massive. JJ walked into the, di- or the the cafe that we were at, I remember just be doing one of these. I so I can't imagine up. bumping into you, Bench. I had to jump up and give James a hug. I couldn't even yeah. give him a hug from down. I had to jump up. <laughs> give me one of them. Strange people were like, why, why is his son look so much younger than him? <laughs> I do look young, James. You're right. I do look young. Thank you for that comment. Hey, boys, this has been fantastic. Great discussion. We're almost an hour into it, and it's flown by because the game today was absolutely fantastic. Manchester City playing Real Madrid off the park, winning by four goals to nil. Uh, We look forward to seeing the Champions League final, um, and there's so many discussions to be had between now and then. So everybody out there, if you're watching or listening, leave a comment. Um, Make sure you jump in and like and subscribe. Share the show as much as you possibly can because there's plenty of shows coming up between now and that Champions League final, which you can watch on CBS Sports and Paramount Plus. It's going to be some game and we cannot wait for it. And also enjoy the Europa League and Europa Conference League tomorrow as well. James, Mike, thank you very much to everybody out there who's listening to House of Champions. Take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast, as we just mentioned, available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. James, I did tell you, you were going to get a Milan Derby nil-nil at some point and you were going to be hosting. How was it? (laughs) Uh, Not great. That's the way to end right there. <laughs> That's because Nigel was on it, wasn't it? Nigel will be back again on Friday with us, uh, hopefully. So um, tune back in on Friday. House of Champions will be back then. Boys, appreciate you all. Take care.